Welcome to the High Vibe and Healthy Podcast. My name is Fran Dargaville and I'm a functional nutritionist with a passion for gut health and real food. I'm here to share my take on nutrition and health, answer your questions and chat with leading health and wellness experts and all-round inspiring humans. Enjoy this week's episode and submit your questions at frandargaville.com or via my Instagram, frandargaville. Hello there, friend, and welcome back to another episode of High Vibe and Healthy. Today, we're going to be chatting all about food sensitivities. And to be honest, this is one of the most common topics that I'm speaking about with my clients because it's very much linked to our gut health. So I'm going to be explaining what food sensitivities are and how you can actually identify and overcome them for good. So here's what I tend to see with clients when it comes to food sensitivities. So they either come to me and they're experiencing lots of different symptoms and they seem to be reacting to some different foods, but they haven't really managed to identify what those trigger foods are. Or the other common scenario is they've already identified those trigger foods and They're on a really restrictive diet and finding it really difficult to go and eat out at a restaurant with friends or their partner or even prepare food at home because they're so restricted and they don't know what to eat. And it's really impacting, you know, how they feel on a day to day basis and their quality of life, quite frankly. And that might sound a little bit dramatic when we're talking about food sensitivities. But if you've been on a restrictive diet or you're on a restrictive diet right now, you know exactly what I mean. And I've been there myself when I had lots of food sensitivities. I was sensitive to eggs, dairy, gluten, and a number of other things as well. And it was really tough to eat out at a restaurant and just live a normal life. So I know exactly what it's like. It's very, very frustrating. And I don't want you to stay in this place. I want to help you overcome those food sensitivities so you can just get back to enjoying food and living a life you love. Food sensitivities can cause a lot of different symptoms. So they can cause digestive symptoms. They're probably the most obvious ones that you think about all the time. Things like bloating, gas, diarrhea, constipation, belly pain, nausea, or reflux after eating certain foods. But they can also cause symptoms outside of the gut. Things like skin issues, whether it's eczema, dermatitis, rashes, or itchy skin, or even psoriasis flares. They can cause fatigue, brain fog, headaches and migraines, joint pain, and even mood changes, things like anxiety, depression, irritability, and hyperactivity as well. You may never have thought of these different symptoms in relation to food sensitivities. And I totally understand why that might be. And I will be explaining how that actually works in a minute. But any symptom under the sun can be linked to a food sensitivity. Now, that doesn't mean every symptom you're experiencing is related to food sensitivities. This is where we really want to do the detective work to figure out what's going on for you and what role these specific trigger foods are playing in driving your symptoms. Before we go any further, I want to explain the difference between food sensitivities, food allergies, and food intolerances, because I know that can be very, very confusing. These words are often used interchangeably, but they're all very, very different. So I want you to understand that difference. A classic food allergy is exactly what we think of when we think about food allergies, like a peanut allergy or a shellfish allergy. Usually these symptoms appear instantly after eating a certain food, within even a matter of seconds in some cases. And those symptoms can include things like difficulty breathing, rashes, and anaphylaxis. This is an IgE 
IgE allergy, where the immune system produces IgE antibodies in response to a specific food. As I mentioned, these allergy responses can be really, really rapid and very severe as well. And they can actually occur without any degree of leaky gut whatsoever. So that's food allergies, true food allergies. Now I'm going to chat about food intolerances. So these are the words that are often used interchangeably, intolerances and sensitivities, but they are also different as well. The word intolerance is used in relation to generally a missing element needed for the digestion of a certain food. So for example, people with lactose intolerance don't have enough of the lactase enzyme, which is needed to break down lactose. So it's not so much an immune response to that food, it's that they're basically just unable to digest it because they don't have the enzymes needed to break it down. Now let's move on to food sensitivities. There are different ways that food sensitivities can develop. So they can be an immune response where your body produces IgG antibodies. So IgE antibodies are the allergy antibodies and the sensitivity antibodies are IgG antibodies. So what basically happens is your body identifies a specific food as a foreign invader and then it mounts an immune attack on that food. And this can manifest as inflammatory symptoms like those non-specific symptoms I mentioned before, like fatigue, brain fog, joint pain, skin issues, or low moods. The thing is, this type of response can be really hard to identify because it doesn't tend to be quick like that allergy response. This can actually develop over many days. So you might actually be starting to see, for example, some fatigue days after eating these trigger foods. You're not going to get that immediate response, which means it can be really difficult to identify these type of food sensitivities. Now, Leaky gut or intestinal permeability makes you much more susceptible to developing this type of food sensitivity because food and toxins can more easily cross through the gut lining and into the bloodstream where your immune system can mount that attack, which drives those symptoms. I'm not going to go in depth into leaky gut in today's episode, but I did speak about that recently in episode number 135 of the podcast. So if you want to learn more about leaky gut, definitely go and check out that episode. So that's the immune-based food sensitivity, but you can also have a digestive-based food sensitivity, which is where you have a digestive reaction to foods without also having that immune response, or you can have both of these different types alongside each other. So for example, you might experience things like bloating or diarrhea, and these reactions can be due to a number of different things. Like for example, low stomach acid, or gut infections like SIBO or SIFO, which is small intestinal bacterial or fungal overgrowth. So as I mentioned, you could have either that immune response or you could have that digestive response or you could have both of these reactions together. And either of these responses can be delayed or chronic. So it's not like you eat that food. So for example, if I have that gluten sensitivity, it's a sensitivity specifically, it's not like I'm necessarily going to have an immediate reaction. That response could develop over hours or days, which can make it really difficult to identify your trigger foods. Now let's talk about the specific foods that people tend to develop these sensitivities to. So there are eight main foods that account for around 90% of allergic reactions. That includes milk, eggs, fish, shellfish, peanuts, tree nuts, wheat, and soybeans. So that's allergies specifically, but these are also the most common foods that people will develop sensitivities to. 
And two of the most common that I see in my clinic are sensitivities to gluten and dairy. However, you can develop a sensitivity to literally any food, including healthy foods like spinach or celery, which can make it really, really tricky to identify. So we're going to dive a little bit more into how you can actually identify food sensitivities now. The gold standard for identifying food sensitivities is doing an elimination diet. So I would generally start with eliminating gluten and dairy. This is something that I do with a lot of my clients. And if you've already tried that and you have IBS symptoms specifically, then you could also consider doing a low FODMAP diet. Let's take a quick step back though, because if you're eating a diet high in processed foods, refined sugars, refined carbohydrates and vegetable oils, I would first move to a whole foods way of eating before you add any additional restrictions on top of that. Because I do find a lot of people can shift to that way of eating and that already resolves their symptoms. So definitely start there and then the gluten and dairy, and then you can explore different options after that, whether that is low FODMAP or low histamine or some other sort of more personalized diet. But we want to start with those foundational pieces first. So generally speaking, you'd want to eliminate these foods for at least four weeks and you can then reintroduce one food at a time and basically observe whether it flares up your symptoms. As I said, this is the best option, but you could also consider food sensitivity testing. A quick message from me to let you know that right now I have spaces available in my four month one-on-one nutrition programs. If you're struggling with bloating, constipation, food sensitivities, or other gut-related symptoms or conditions from anxiety to endo, I would love to support you. In these programs, I help you to get to the root cause of your symptoms in a realistic, sustainable way. You'll get personalized nutrition, lifestyle and supplement recommendations, and online messaging support in between sessions to get all of your questions answered and make sure nothing gets in the way of you getting results. Head to frandargaville.com or the link in my Instagram bio to learn more or book a free phone chat with me. Okay, back to the episode. Now, the science is still out on food sensitivity testing, so I don't recommend it very often, but I do find it can be helpful mainly for the people who have already given up gluten and dairy and already have a quite a restrictive diet and are finding it very difficult to identify their food sensitivities. So as I said, this isn't something I'd recommend often, but I do find it can be helpful for some people. Food sensitivity testing is typically a blood test and it is used to identify those IgG antibodies. However, if you have gut issues or any gut-related symptoms and you are only going to do one functional lab test, I would definitely prioritize the GI map gut test over food sensitivity testing because testing your gut actually helps us identify your root cause. Whereas testing the food sensitivities, it's really just helping us identify and and remove those trigger foods, but it's not actually giving us the root cause or what is going on and what is driving those food sensitivities in the first place. So it's not really giving us any sort of solution in order to be able to get you those results and help you overcome those food sensitivities. A lot of people think that they are stuck with food sensitivities for life, but this is definitely not the case. Here's something I really want you to understand. Food sensitivities are a gut problem. The food isn't the problem. It's either your digestive function, the permeability of your gut lining, 
or some sort of gut infection that's driving your symptoms. So we want to address what is going on in the gut and that is going to help you overcome your food sensitivities. I've had clients on restrictive diets for years and years and then when they actually take this personalized approach to addressing what's going on in their gut, addressing any pathogens and digestive dysfunction, they're able to reintroduce these foods that they'd been avoiding for years, which is pretty damn incredible. So here is the process for overcoming food sensitivities. Step number one is to identify the food sensitivity using an elimination diet if you haven't already. So we want to give up that food for a period of time, being really diligent with that so you can actually tell whether it's actually helping to resolve your symptoms and then reintroducing it gradually to see if it drives those symptoms again. Next, we want to identify what is driving those food sensitivities in the first place. And remember, it's not the food. It's what's going on in your gut and GI map testing would definitely be my recommendation here. And I do have a gut testing package if you want to learn more about how you can test your gut and figure out what's driving food sensitivities for you. So once you've figured out your trigger foods and what's actually at the root cause of those food sensitivities, then we want to actually address what's going on in your gut while avoiding those trigger foods, because we want to really allow the gut to heal and restore at the same time as addressing what's going on in your gut before you're then able to reintroduce those foods. And the time frame for this varies. So some people are able to address what's going on in their gut over a period of around three to four months and then reintroduce those food sensitivities straight away after that. But in some cases, if you've had symptoms going on for a long time, if your issues are quite chronic and long-term, it can take a little longer than that. So it may take six to 12 months to be able to reintroduce those foods and in some cases even longer. So it doesn't mean you have to be on a really restrictive protocol or, you know, taking a lot of supplements for that entire time. It just means that it can take a little bit of time. So I'd be, you know, in that case, being really, you know, consistent with your diet and avoiding those trigger foods as much as you can, focusing on healing and soothing that gut lining and working towards reintroducing those trigger foods. And just a quick note as well. This is definitely something that if you've been dealing with these food sensitivities for a long time, I would recommend getting some help from a practitioner around, whether it's me or someone else, because certain dietary approaches, you know, for example, the low FODMAP diet, there are consequences to being on this dietary approach for the long term. Obviously, it's restrictive and can impact your quality of life in general, but it can also have adverse impacts on your gut microbiome as well. So I would only ever advise doing that kind of restrictive diet for a short term and definitely recommend doing that under the guidance of a practitioner. And if you're feeling frustrated by how long things are taking for you, I really just want to encourage you to think about how long it took you to get to this place. So for some people, these things can pop up overnight. You know, perhaps these food sensitivities only developed for you three, six, nine months ago. But for many people, these have been developing over years of stress, years of perhaps poor diet, you know, years of excess alcohol intake, and that can lead to these health challenges that we experience. So knowing that, having that understanding really helps us, you know, have a little bit more patience with ourselves and just be a little bit gentle with yourself and realize that it can take time. 
As long as you feel like you are on the right track and you're moving forward and ideally getting some support if you need to, then just keep putting one foot in front of the other and you'll be on track to getting rid of those food sensitivities ASAP. So you can get back to enjoying food, enjoying dining out with your friends and family and just living your life. So to recap, you are not stuck with food sensitivities and they can definitely be overcome, although it can take time in some cases. As I mentioned, there are those different types of food sensitivities. So you can have those immune reactions being those non-specific symptoms, usually like fatigue or brain fog, or you may be having digestive reactions like bloating or gas after eating a certain food. To identify your trigger foods, you can use an elimination diet like a dairy-free diet, gluten-free diet, or perhaps something like the low FODMAP diet if you have IBS and you've already tried those foundational pieces. Or you could also consider using food sensitivity testing if you've tried it all and you're already on a whole foods diet. Now remember, identifying your food sensitivities is an important part in the healing puzzle, but food sensitivities are not the root cause because the food itself isn't the problem unless we're talking about ultra processed junk food. It's more about what's going on in your gut and how you're actually digesting and processing that food. That's typically what is at the root cause of your food sensitivities. If you have any questions or you'd like support to overcome food sensitivities, reach out to me, book a free call or send me a DM on Instagram. My Instagram handle is my name, F-R-A-N-D-A-R-G-A-V-I-L-L-E. And I'll pop that link in the show notes as well. And if you know someone who would enjoy this episode, please share this with them or take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram stories. I absolutely love it when you guys share these episodes with your friends and on your socials. It helps me reach more people and also feels like I'm having a two-way conversation, which is nice in the world of podcasting, which is usually just a little of me in my office speaking into my microphone. Thank you so much for being here and I will catch you in the next episode. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the High Vibe and Healthy Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to chat with me about how we can work together to reach your health goals, head to frandargaville.com. To connect with me day to day, Instagram is the place to be. Follow me via my handle at frandargaville. And finally, please note that the materials and content within this podcast are intended as general information only and are not considered to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment.